Say that podcast for your big questions, get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm joining you again because we tried this before and it did not go super well here in the city of Chicago. Joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, a man who has figured out his microphone and is also the president of Mission USA. I'm under protest. He's under protest. Also joining us, Jed Brewer, the director of Mission USA Productions. I'm over protest. See what I did there? Wow. Yeah, that's right. You're welcome. Whatever. Powerful. You're welcome powerful confusing political statement from jed burr right there not joining us yet but he will be joining us later via pre-taped thing probably if we figure it out or not who knows will be lee younger he's one of the he's our co-host he's one of the pastors of christ community church but for now we uh we're recording in a hurry folks jed has a very important appointment to get to i forgot to tell people we needed to record a thing right now <laughs> there's a lot going on the thing to remember is we've done this 200 times and we're no better at it than when we started speaking of which i declare a 200th episode throwback emergency throwback emergency throwback we're throwing it back what? glenn back in the day there was a man a man who walked that you know what i forget the words the key thing is there's a dc talk song from like 30 years ago that let's that let, way. let's just not Go DC talk. I'm down with the DC talk. Down with the DC talk. No, 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 no. Are you down with the DC talk? Stop it. Okay, we had our 200th episode. We did. Um, We also had the Vatties. That's part of that. The annual extravaganza awards. It's it's really a gala. It's a gala event. It can. It consists of Glenn writing them, Uh Matt reading them. Um, That's. But it's seventy-five dollars a plate. That's the gala part. Absolutely, we, we wear uh, tuxedo T-shirts. Absolutely, totally. that says that there's a red carpet that we uh, walk in on. We're formal, but we like to party. That's absolutely. Right. But we got a note from an anonymous say that listener, right? Um, an anonymous listener though with a lot of pull. Yeah. Um, and this listener writes in and they say. I must say, I am a little concerned that the LCM, that's Uh-oh. the Lady Christian Mafia... I have a feeling we'll get to that. ...didn't receive even a nomination for any of the Vatties on the 200th episode. I think we'll have to boycott it next year. Whoa. Now, Glenn, do you want to break down for the people of the LCM? Yes. <clears throat> uh, the LCM, uh, for those who are unfamiliar, is the secret shadow organization that actually runs the church and yeah. keeps everything going. See, there and by are, secret you mean pretty vocal. Yeah. See, the, the the there are there are people out there, and let's call them dumb people that that think that <coughs> well, ignorance. Ignorant is ignorance. The perfect word that think that men run all these things and churches and sure. so on and so forth. Uh, how it goes. But uh, the way it really works, and we've learned this long ago, is that church secretaries and pastors' wives and the ladies... They actually uh, run things. They really run things. They're the glue that holds it all together. Sometimes they're nice enough to let the pastor think he's in charge, and they find that adorable. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the key, is you know to keep him, uh, as, as one prominent member of the LCM says, fat, dumb, and happy. So... Yep. Sure. Uh, we we work with the, the LCM. LCM, totally, and that is no joke and no kidding. Yeah, we that we, we have an an elaborate network of of LCM contacts. We keep them pleased with what we're doing. We do favors. We do whatever it takes to keep that positive. 
Well, let's give a, a real world example here, and maybe you, Glenn, if you can walk us through what happens when a pastor maybe doesn't return calls and emails from Jane uh-huh. about her wanting to book him at the bridge, and how the LCM comes into that. Well, what will happen is you know Jane might you know corner a guy at the bridge and say you know a pastor and say can you preach for us later this month and he said oh I I I can't my schedule's pretty full. Uh, but by the time that pastor may drive back to his church, uh, generally his church secretary will have written him a note advising him that his schedule has been juggled around, and it uh, turns out he will be able to uh, preach at the bridge, and he is already booked for the bridge on such and such a date. Yep. Yes. Uh, That's a fairly mild example. The more extreme one is occasionally... Either Glenn or Jane will be at a church on Sunday morning and say, "Hey, we really enjoyed you, Pastor, and love to have, here's the bridge and love to come." Say, "Yeah, I think uh, you know, look at this, that, and the other, and then maybe you know, a month or so of emails goes unanswered, and then uh, Glenn and Jane will just show up back at that church and won't even talk to the dude this time. We'll just tell his wife, right? And then he miraculously will be immediately booked at the bridge. Yeah. So we we know how the, the but the key the whole key here yeah is to show respect. Yeah, absolutely. And keep the LCM happy. If it sounds a little mafia-ish. Well, there's a reason. The yeah. word the word mafia is in there. In this case though, uh Yeah, early, back to the emergency cuz we done messed up, y'all. We yeah. we we made an error. Right. We we made a mistake. We uh, we screwed up. That's this right. is the equivalent of whoever runs the Oscars in the 90s getting a a message from Harvey Weinstein that says, "I noticed you didn't nominate any of my Movies. That's mm. that's funny. Mm. Well, to that point, this our anonymous uh, contributor who has a lot of pull uh, follows up by saying, "You won't like the LCM when we are angry." That's wow. true. That's not good. So, um, so yes, what are we going to do, fellas? Well, uh, now here's my first thought. Tell me, and just if you don't like it, send it right back. Right. I think step one is we all turn on each other. Sure. Okay, that that seems healthy. Everybody blame everybody. Can else. we all turn on Lee because he's not here to defend himself? Excellent. See, I I knew that was right instinct. I mean, well, I thought seems st- easy. I thought with step one with Christian stuff was always double down, stick to your lie. Well, um, yeah, you got to you have to double down on the basis of a theology, even though it's not about theology. Right. Okay, that's, 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 that's very good. Right. Should we try and do that, or just admit that's a terrible idea and move on to option two? See, the LCM would see right through that. We right. can't go that route. Right. That's what men's say to other men's. Right. So we can't do that here. <laughs> that's that's dumb. That's good. Yeah, that's, that's good. Ineffectual. Yeah. You can't. You can't. You can't do. That. So option two then is turn on each other, throw each other under the bus. Yeah. That's that's you know that would uh, you know that would not work. Right. No, you we're know. done. Okay. Uh, just to be clear, I want to. I do want to. Just to give it context, I've seen Glenn stand in front of a room full of very, you know, high-level denominational leaders and just give them a diatribe about why they suck at everything. Right. And just without batting an eye. He's not happy to do it, but it's what needs to be done. And, you know, he's pissed all these people off and everywhere. Right. Nah, yeah. I've also seen someone come up to the bridge and say, I don't think Miss Patricia was entirely happy with, whoa, 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 whoa. Right. <laughs> whoa. What did you do? That's right. Because that's scary. That's you don't make the LCM mad ever. Well, and I that's exactly right. And I I think here's here's what we need to look at. Sometimes when you've done wrong, what you need to, to do is to take time 
and communicate. Absolutely. You know uh, I mean? I've heard that. I've heard that. Sounds like, like good advice. So, so what we need is for like Matt to pipe in like some slow jam sure, music do that. In, the, in the background. Right. And then sort of communicate something that starts with, oh, girl. Sure, sure. And then just go, go You feel like that would be well received by the LCM. Yeah. But you know. I feel like that's your answer to everything. <laughs> it kind of is. <laughs> kind of historically throughout your entire life. There's a lot Any of. Any way you can work in an all girl. Yeah, there's a, yeah exactly. <laughs> there really is a whole lot of that in my life. Oh, girl. You know that we didn't mean to leave you, huh? Sure. It's not like that. Sure, sure. You don't think that just because you weren't. Uh, nominated for a daddy that you're not important. Right. It's sure. not like that, girl. Right. Etc. Sure, right. etc. Right. Well, I think being that we are uh, male, there's we ha- we've skipped an important step, which is the totally insincere, made up on the spot, weak sauce justification for our behavior. Sure, yeah, sure, absolutely. Yeah. I think that goes something like you know, we the that is is it's a humorous segment. Sure, absolutely. Right. We we didn't want to uh, tarnish an organization as august and important as the LCM. Right. We didn't want it to be like that. We didn't want to think you you know didn't want you to think we were making fun of y'all. We are serious about how much we care. Yeah. And you know what? If caring too much is a crime, well, lock me up. Exactly. I guess our our sin here is having too much respect. That's right. <laughs> Boy, that's, that's like not a word. true. Yeah, yeah, that's and not it's not going to work. Yeah, but, but uh, as white men, yeah, gonna, all we have is doubling down, right, right. and trying to lie. We're Nixoning this piece, right? right. Yeah, we're just trying to lie our way out of it by pretending that the thing we screwed up somehow is part of a master plan. Right. I, I think I've got it, gentlemen. Okay. I, I think... Okay. Uh, are, are we ready? Yeah, because yeah, so far... With we're the, in we're, trouble, you We're y'all. deep in the dookie. <clears throat> There's a lot of setting up Uh-oh. going on. He's getting into the character. Yeah. Wait for it. Wait for it. I've been watching a lot of you, political You folks can't see this at home, but there's a lot of shoulder slumping going on right now. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of channeling here. Okay. We, the man of the Say That podcast, realize and are grieved that we have let down and betrayed the fundamental trust of our audience. Wow. The question of what did we know and when did we know it is not germane at this time. Uh-huh. However, we have been made aware that we have sinned on a fundamental level. Wow. We've been asked to offer an explanation, and at the advice of our attorneys, we are prepared to do so. Okay. We ran out of gas. We got a flat tire. We didn't have change for cab fare. We mm. lost our tux at the cleaners. We locked our keys in the car. An old friend came in from out of town. Someone stole our car. There was an earthquake, a terrible flood, locusts. It wasn't our fault. We swear. We're sorry. The end. This message has been approved by Jake and Edward Blues. <laughs> well, okay, I feel okay, like... Okay, well, we, we tried sincerity... Right. We tried BSing. Yeah. Now we tried comedies from the seventies. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's all we got. That's it, it. It, it, it. In my mind, how could all this not work? But I think what we what we might want to look at here, and I'm let's come at this from a whole nother angle. Oh. 
Okay. Okay. Chocolate. Aha. Okay. You know Use some straight to bribery. Straight to bribery. You know. Chocolate. Uh you know. What else do women like? I'm I'm out. I feel like answering that question is only gonna get us in more trouble. Me tell, yeah. Let me tell you what. Movies about horses. Sure. And dancing. Dancing horses. But let me tell you what. I came I was out yeah. the other day, came back. Wife sitting there watching T V show. Yeah. What's the T V show about? Horses. Sure, absolutely. You know what sure. I'm Just all the drama that goes down with some horses. Sure. I mean there's people in it you follow. Right. Because that's the whole thing. But you know. Mostly horses. It's related to horses. Right. It's horse adjacent. Sure, drama, absolutely. Horse centric maybe. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's like right. It. So, uh, chocolate horses, chocolate horses, I think like horses dancing for chocolate, you know, uh, something, you know, flowers or, uh, you know, sure. Uh, something like that. I guess the key thing is if you're a lady who's been horribly offended by the fact that the baddies left out the LCM, just let us know what we got to do. Yeah, yeah, just, that's a uh, good, uh, good you know because yeah. normally don't understand we've gotten complaints about uh, things we've said, people we've said things about, the way we put things. And there are a couple of those we use words we shouldn't, whatever. We apologize. Most of the time, our response is mm, stuff that in your hat because you know we know what we're doing. Um, in this case, the case when the LCM is uh, is on it is. Just, yeah, whatever it needs to be. Yeah, you let us know, we have, and we'll make it right. We have no pride, no backbone, no ego when it comes to this particular thing. Now, we'll walk into statistically the worst neighborhood in Chicago tonight, actually. We're recording this on Tuesday. In the dark. Right. Just walking on a street corner. Right. No problem. That's fine. That's fine. No no fear. This right. you know, That's what we do. We're all scared. Yeah. That's what you're right. hearing now. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows... Uh, you know, they could attack at any moment. Yep. Well, that's the thing is uh, there, there's no defense for it. We've That's right. You know, churches, denominations, megachurch pastors, um, gangs, right. street corner ruffians. Right. Yep. All these groups have tried to take some level of shot at what we do, either right. online or actually in at the bridge. And none of them. Right. None of them got a shot. Right. Um, if the LCM decides tomorrow they want to bring it all come tumbling down, we're all on the we're all on the street. That's absolutely. Right. They're everywhere. <laughs> uh, they got a finger in, in every pie. You know right. what I'm saying? They, they where wherever you go, they they got somebody there. Absolutely. So we had what we need is healing. Sure. You know unity, unity, communication. Yep. Feelings. Yep. Yes. Okay. Yes. Let you know what, fellas. Let's talk about feelings. Sure. Not with each other, because we don't no. have any. No. Sometimes I feel constipated, but that's... That's a, that's a feeling. That's, uh, Hunger and sleepy are both technically feelings. That's I feel it. So sure. how can he say it's Glenn not feels all the feelings. Rage, suppressed rage, <laughs> open rage. It's all all your different it's kind of rages. You know, yeah, I, I got that. But we got, it, we, got, we got to talk with the feelings with the ladies see absolutely sure. how do you feel about your feelings yeah and deal with that do you have words about feelings do you have feelings about the words yeah and just get, into, get into it. it you know just put in the time 
Well, I feel like we've developed a lot of good strategies. Yeah. Um, I feel like certainly we've begun the process of atoning for our grievous, grievous sins. Either that or made it horribly worse by saying a bunch of stupid things. Probably that one. Both fine options. But I, I feel, because we're talking about feelings now, I feel go. like we've done a good job of handling this crisis. So totally. on that basis, I declare an LCM emergency off. Hopefully. Hopefully. Please, ladies. ladies, let us know. I yeah. feel I feel a little gassy, but that's, sure, that's, that's those that's are my feelings. feelings you know, I think right? I think going back to that joke is going to help a lot. <laughs> oh boy! Well, we're going to let Jed go now because he has things that are far more important than us, apparently. <laughs> but we do have a Jed. You're going to hear a lot more Jed later in the episode coming up. He's interviewed a young gal named Nina Yopis. He gave me the correct pronunciation on the way out the door because Jed's a stand-up guy. Nina Yopis, who is the uh, front woman of the ever, first ever Christian punk band, formed in 1984. Wow. When uh, the term Christian punk band was pretty crazy. Yeah. So we're gonna, Jed's going to interview her later. It's a really, uh, really cool story. And I wanted to, we're going to have uh, Lee on later, but I wanted to talk for a few minutes here with Glenn about kind of some of the stuff Nina brought in the interview. So the idea, the idea, and you'll hear her talk about it. I don't want to step on too much of it, but that idea of, you know, Christian music really looked one way in right. the mid eighties and uh punk rock was not the way it looked. Right. So, but she kind of felt that thing. We've talked to a lot of people uh, who have had this where they, they kind of felt that was their thing. And even though no one had done it, they kind of blazed that trail. So, and that's definitely something you have done in your life is kind mm-hmm. of, you know, the idea of something like the bridge did not exist for him. What people may not know is there was a time when, I mean, you're still a musician in the sense that you play and occasionally will record stuff, whatever, but it was a time when you were trying to do the music thing mm-hmm. kind of way more full time. Yeah. So, Mike, I'm interested because the funny thing about all three of the co hosts we have on here, you, Lynn and Lee, as you were all, have been like playing and touring musicians and still do music stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering about that overlap. Is there anything. From your the way you experience music, the experience you have with that, which connected with you and what you do with ministry now, the way yeah. music kind of influenced your walk with the Lord and what you do. Well, for sure, yeah. I think, uh, and and I, I will preface this by saying that both Lee and uh, and Jed both have far more talent musically than I do, and have had much more success than I had. Um, but yeah, I think for me, the, the thing that struck me right away, I actually started doing stuff at church, you know, praise Mm -hmm. and worship and all of that, uh, before I started playing in clubs and, and doing those things. And what was sort of odd and ironic about that was I assumed that playing in the clubs would kind of just be more exciting. It's more of a kind of a party atmosphere and everybody's drinking and relaxing and all of that. Uh, and, uh, you're, you know, you're out there in the world. This isn't, you're, you don't have the home field advantage like you have at your church. Yeah. Uh, but I found that really super depressing, <laughs> you know, I mean, just like way hard, hardcore depressing. It was, sure. well, when you're, I imagine when you're starting out in a uh, blues bars in Houston, you don't get the good slots. No, you don't. And, and uh, they, they, they don't like you. No, uh, they don't like your face at all. Sure, they want. Well, you're interrupting their drinking. So. <laughs> exactly right. Um, so uh, you know, I, 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 but it was funny. It wasn't until I experienced that that I realized 
the the, the the spiritual impact that the music had on me. In other mm. words, when you take the the spiritual part out of it and, you, and it's just music, it seemed hollow to me. It's like, what's the point of even doing this? I mean, huh. uh, you know, for for me, uh, I began. Uh, uh, I sort of became the uh, praise and worship guy, and I was the youth group guy that would play in the youth group. So from high school through college and really my early career, every time there was worship that I was participating in, I was playing. Mm. You know, so it wasn't until uh, uh, I became a better preacher than a musician that people asked me to <laughs> preach instead of play. We got other guitars. And she just preached. Uh, it wasn't until that happened that I got a chance to be a participant mm. rather than, and I realized I worshipped a lot less when I wasn't playing. You know, oh, okay. there's something about playing uh, that you're just fully engaged in it, I guess. So, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. But then that idea of the kind of making it what you want to be. So people mm -hmm. don't, we've talked about it on this. We've talked, we've done the whole story. If you find the hundredth episode of the bridge podcast, we kind of had Glenn, his wife, Jane and Jed kind of talk about the whole story of the bridge coming together. But, uh, both when you came to Chicago to work for another organization to do kind of gang ministry and then starting your own thing at the bridge, what, what was that like? And did you find kind of parallels in what you'd done in earlier life to that idea of, no one's a hundred percent done this thing before. Yeah. Well, yeah. There, there was a sense of, um, you know, w we had some credibility, and we had done stuff that was very difficult, and we were successful at it. So there was a sense of, well, if they say they can do something, they can do it. That that helped a lot. But as you say, what we were describing with the bridge had never been done before. We want to create it's like a. Uh, a bus depot you know mm -hmm. it's just all the churches are represented there all the pastors come to it and then the people who are looking for a church all come to it and they all connect and then they go out and whatever uh literally it was uh, to me in my mind it was a very clear picture of how that would work and mm -hmm. whatever uh we had problems with uh, pastors pastors think geographically to a point that's all consuming so yeah, we would say, in Chicago. Yeah, so we would say we're going to have this bridge meeting on the west side, and south side pastors would say, "Well, that my my people won't go up there." I said, "No, no, you you people don't have to go up there, just you." And he's like, "Well, if I go up there, there'll be west side people there." I said, no, no, I'm inviting people from all over the city to go there. There's it's like roads and trains and everything you yeah. can get from the south side to the west side. <laughs> so they're all coming to one location. So there will be Southside people there. You show up, and then you grab them and take them with you, and then I find more. That's the that's the racket we're working here. But it was it was very hard for them to get their minds around um, the thinking outside the box of the the models that they had before. Uh, so it, a, a lot of that was um, communicating a confidence in the process of you know that we, we you know. We and we we were honest with we see this part as a strength we see this part as a weakness we have concerns in these areas in these areas we feel we don't have any worries at all and um, <coughs> so they were able to give us some good suggestions to help us improve it so that they could feel better and we could feel better about it uh, moving forward but 
um, in the end, there were a lot of people who gave us enthusiastic support who thought it would fail, but they 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 would they wanted to be on record. It would be of, a glorious failure. Yeah, they'd be they 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 wanted to say, "Hey, I supported you all the way, but too bad it failed." You know, so that they, at least they could say that they supported you know. for that whole month. This thing happened. Yeah, and and then if it's it, not that uncommon in urban ministry, we should point out. Oh no! Oh a, no! A solid idea for a program and the theory, and just there's so many factors working against it that it implodes. Yeah, if you if you have any uh, urban ministry program that's going five or six years after you start it, that's, that's mm-hmm. miraculous. You know, uh, so we've been going now for 11 plus years, something like yeah. that. So every Tuesday since we started that whole deal. So, uh, you know, that, uh, there were a lot of people, I think that were, that were supportive yet shocked sure. when, it, when it actually worked. You know? Well, uh, and let's look at that idea of starting your own thing. That's something a little new. Cause I think that's something a lot of, we got a fair amount of, you know, college age, maybe a little over listeners. There's this big kind of, uh, obviously in the world now, a big kind of startup entrepreneurship, you know, striking out, uh-huh, which uh-huh. is super cool and it yep. can have a big faith impact. But I wonder if people get a skewed view of that. We yeah. talked on the show before about this idea of survivorship bias, mm-hmm. which is basically to a short summary of that is. You get a we- you get a skewed view of the way things work because you only see the ones that worked. Right. Like right. you know, you're like, well, you know, there's the Facebook guy and the Google guy. Right. And all every kid who started a startup thing right out of college I've heard of is a billionaire. Right. Right. So right. they all turn out to. Therefore, everybody who starts a startup thing out of college turns out to be a billionaire. Right. And it's more right. that you just didn't hear about the tens of thousands of people who lost their shirt and yeah. you know, work at Staples now. Yeah. But there's that idea of because when you, you guys started your own thing, but you had been a prison chaplain, mm-hmm. you had been a worked for uh, a large organization up here doing kind of gang ministry with a guy who invented basically the kind of gang ministry you'd done in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what was that process like? Of you're doing your own thing a lot. If you actually use this analogy a lot in with other stuff we do about music, you're still playing the same notes. You're mm-hmm. putting them in a different mm-hmm. order. You're, yeah, yeah. You know, it's all the same sounds. What was that process like? Of I'm gonna, we're gonna do our own thing, but well, you guys started the bridge. What f- ten years into your ministry career, if not more? Uh, more than that, but yeah, like and, a fourteen. Yeah, yeah. So that that idea of you, you had an eye on your own thing. You knew this was a thing, right. but you were that process of learning and being a part yeah. of other stuff. What was that like? And when we, did that change happen? Yeah, I think. Well, there's there's two key things. One is that the bridge is not our first attempt at this kind of program. This mm-hmm. is our third attempt at it. Um, the The idea of starting something, I, you know, where you, I, I hear a lot of these kind of plans. We're going to start this, it's going to work from day one, and then just keep doing that, and then we can coast. You're going to start being awesome, and then the plan is continue to be awesome. Right. Uh, we started, uh, when we wanted to do what became the bridge, we started, we said, we're going to run this program for the summer, and then we will shut it down. Mm. Because it's inconceivable that it will last longer than that. It will certainly fail within months. Sure. But we want to know what works and keep that and what doesn't work and get rid of that. Um, And we will have that fully figured out by the end of that that, uh, summer. Uh, and, and that's roughly what happened. You know, we, we shut it down. 
uh, it was on its way to collapsing on its own. So sure. Know. Uh, and then we, we did sort of a second version based on what we learned from the first. And this is kind of all going off of what I learned from my father. He worked for the space program. They would build a prototype. They'd you know, you know, strap this rocket to the, to the test bed, and they'd fire it off, and it'd explode into a thousand tiny pieces. And they'd say, well, now that's interesting. You know, sure. That wasn't a failure, really. It was we've pushed it to a point where it broke. And the question is, did it? Did it break under normal circumstances yeah. or unusual circumstances? What what failed? So we fix that part. Then we're closer to having a good design. So that's one thing is the idea of prototyping and uh, uh, you know working that model out in order to figure out how to do it right. And so when we launched the bridge, we had a lot of confidence. We've done this twice before. It 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 di didn't really go great, but. Uh, we learned what we think we needed to learn. You got more than just a theoretical plan. Oh this yeah, has for the sure. Real world. Oh yeah. Behind it. Yeah, there's only way to learn is through failure mm -hmm. on that because nobody else is doing it. So you know we had to do that. The the other thing briefly is that uh, every week we meet as a staff, and this is going back to the first week of the bridge. Every week we meet as a staff. And we go over every detail mm -hmm. of this. I'm talking about kids stuff that happens with the children's ministry. I'm talking about food with the host team. I'm talking about the temperature of the room, where the chairs are, all of that. Mm -hmm. uh, that may not seem like a big or an unusual thing, but um, uh, when you contrast that to most church ministries, uh, if you, I, I, a pastor once told me, uh, I was asking a pastor for advice about speaking to a group of pastors. I'm going to speak to this group. And I said, tell me as a pastor, what do you think these guys need to hear? And he said, this, this, and this. I said, okay. I think what I would tell them is they need to change this and they need to change that. And he said, stop right there. I said, what do you, what do you mean? He says, never say the word change to a pastor. Yeah, changes four letter word. That's they hate that worse than anything. Uh contrast that to cuz change is dangerous, we're taking risks, people leaving, splitting, conflict, drama. Contrast that to what we do, we are changing something every single week. Mm -hmm. And that's just to hold ground. Yeah. You know, every now and then we gain a little ground and it gets a little better. But if we don't do that, if we don't tweak it every week and make little adjustments, it's it starts to decline right yeah. away. So. Yeah, there's definitely no coasting. Yeah. So the goal is not to set up a thing to coast. Yeah, no, not at all. Exactly, yeah. So maybe let's close this little segment out. It's been a lot of good stuff. Um, maybe kind of we, we do a segment at the bridge, and we've done it a couple of times, kind of a version of this on the podcast, these interviews, kind of what uh, back in the day Glenda dubbed the one thing I'd tell them. Mm -hmm. which kind of a one bit of advice going forward, kind of boil it down. And we've got a lot of folks listening who maybe want to do their own thing at some point or see a lot like Nina did, see uh, a gap in the Christian world that they think they're the ones to fill. And that could be in the, mm -hmm. the wider Christian media world. That could just be in their little place. And that's all great. But if you, if you had to give them, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm 20, I'm 22, I don't have any of the skills I need yet. I'm just starting down mm -hmm. this journey. What would you tell people to point that so that 10 years down the road, they can actually have something that works and is a thing? Mm -hmm. Courage. Mm -hmm. 
dial that up to a thousand. Figure out how to maximize courage. Courage, courage. It's a godly virtue, and uh, virtues are an element of God's character that comes from God. You don't generate courage within. You have willpower. That's sort of a human thing. The courage comes from God. We pray and we receive courage. Uh, It's one of those virtues people don't think much of and they don't go and get a lot of it. Uh, There's a tendency nowadays, uh, I hear a lot of, hey, who's to say, Mm y'all? And I hear a lot of, you know, Maybe it's this, maybe it's that. Who knows? Who could say? Who could? Whatever, you know. It just kind of happened. I started out with 15 people in my living room. Yeah. There's a lot of that overly sincere, overly earnest, trying to make a show of being unassuming. Mm-hmm. And when you actually go out into the real world and try and accomplish something, that's, that's just poison to your effort. If, if you, if you, if a, let's say a record company was thinking of signing you, and you were talking with them, and they said, well, how would you sell more records, whatever? And you say, hey, we're just going to put it out there, you know? Just let the people feel the vibrations. Totally. And we're just going to, you know, we're just going to let the the outreach of it reach them and the grassroots thing and whatever. You will not get signed to that record company, ever. Yeah. It, you, The right answer is, I will work night and day to promote this product and get people to believe in it and love it and have it and be excited about it and tell all their friends. That's, you know, but that's a, it, there's a boldness to that. There's an assertiveness to that. Yes. But it takes a measure of courage to believe that all that will work and to believe that God will meet you in that. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot of courage to, it takes a ton of courage, as you might imagine, to play Christian punk rock, you know. Sure. Just to say, I, this is my jam, and I'm going to do it, and that's it, you know. Uh, it takes a lot of courage to, um, uh, uh, to, to conceive of this thing and get people on board. You mm-hmm. know, that's the, if you're saying, I want to start a new music thing or a media thing, or I want to start a new ministry or whatever— you are you are now the Pied Piper. You need to get everybody dancing to your tune. That means stop doing the dumb thing you're doing. Put down the TV remote. Pay attention to this thing that I want you to pay attention to because this is better and cooler than what you're on. That's the message that we're mm-hmm. sending out. It just takes a lot of courage to be that person and to really believe in that thing that you're putting forth. You have to believe courageously that this is um, that that you're benefiting this person. It's not mm-hmm. just I'm going to sell more records or I'm going to be more successful in my job or I'll get a, elected to city council or whatever the thing is. It's it's about uh, going to God and receiving that courage and recognizing the people that come with you on this journey are going to uh, be excited and they're going to be, they're going to find a purpose in their life that they lacked before. And they're going to be happy about that. They're going to thank you for that. Uh, So there's no reason to be hesitant about Mm -hmm. that. There's no reason to be coy about it. There's no reason to say, Hey y'all, I don't want to bum you out, but if you don't mind, could you think about maybe considering screw all that? Look them in the eyes. Hey, I want you to follow this link 
give to this thing, help me out with this, sign this petition, buy this album, whatever the thing is, have that courage. That's fantastic. And we're going to roll right into that to Jed sitting down with Nina Yopis. And uh, I think you're really going to enjoy this interview, so check that out. All right, my friends, the year is 1984. Ronald Reagan is president. VCRs are the height of technology. And this song is the biggest hit in Christian music. of that, our guest today, Nina Yopis, uh, is a Christian gal just finishing up as an art major at the University of Miami, and she decides, I'm going to start a Christian hardcore punk band, a band with music that sounds like this. here today and Nina if I could ask you just to start uh, straight out what made you want to start a Christian punk band wow what a good question well here you go I came to know the Lord in 1984 right before I graduated the University of Miami and I was working um, at an amazing ad agency in the art studio and met this guy whose name was Julio Ray. And Julio really started witnessing to me. Julio was actually a big part of me coming to know the Lord. Because during that time, he would bring me a bunch of music that I had never heard of. Uh, Back then, Undercover (laughs) was a huge fan, and the Altar Boys, and I had never heard that, that music before. And so what I was into, of course, was all the, uh, all the unchristian music and anything that was really strange, um, was my, my taste. So Julio said to me one day, why don't we get together and, uh, I want you to hear my band. And he had already had a band that he formed and that sort of went to the sideline a little bit and the Lord put on my heart, why don't you and Julio put a band together and play for those people who are just like you who don't know me? And that was what God put on my heart, and that's how the lead got started. That's that's amazing. That's amazing. Okay, so yeah. for for folks that are that are new to the lead, the lead formed in 1984. Uh, Nina was one of the vocalists and songwriters, and Julio Ray, who's also an amazing guy, was the other vocalist and songwriter. Uh, they yeah. they played with people like Suicidal Tendencies, um, which for you youngsters is a huge big deal in the punk and thrash world. Uh, they toured the East Coast multiple times. They played festivals. They recorded a ton at a time when recording was really a a major big deal what was that Nina just to, to live that what what was that like to live through that <laughs> uh, it was quite exciting to be honest with you there's nothing like 
playing the bass, which is what I did in front of 2,000 people marching. And, um, <laughs> it's kind of wild. It was a wild thing, but the best thing for me was the Lord always would allow me to minister and give my testimony. We always prayed with the bands that were very different than what they seemed on stage when you're in the back of a club with them. Everybody always wanted prayer. Um, it was, uh, for me, it was just such an outlet to be able to share how I went from being so unsaved and not knowing God at all to a total transformation that God did in my life. So it was very exciting to be in the midst of all of that. Yeah, it was great. Well, that that leads then to the next question, which is, how did church people, kind of people who had grown up in church and around church stuff, how did they respond to you and, and to the lead and just this whole concept that, that would have been so far out there for them? Well, you know, at the beginning, the lead was pretty much not playing in, in the churches. We were just, uh, we were in the punk scene. There was a huge punk hardcore scene in Miami at that time. And we got to open up to some great bands. And of course, yes, we did traveling and played in different places like CBGBs and <laughs> cool places. And then the church started to open up to us a little bit because the youth leaders started to realize, wow, um, this is a great way for me to bring in a band that can share the gospel in a way that maybe they couldn't. And we had a mixture. We had some of the churches that really embraced us. Um, we had a few other churches that may have embraced us. Maybe at some of those shows, you, you had a few people questioning what you were doing. But I believe the churches started to really realize that they could use the lead as a vehicle for preaching the gospel and for bringing kids into their church that would never, never go there. I love the idea that you are at a place like CBGB's, you're sharing the stage with people like Suicidal Tendencies, yeah. and you're talking to these guys kind of in the, the, the green room, and they're saying, hey, man, can you pray for me? That's, that's amazing. Well, you know, this is one thing I have learned, <laughs> and it hasn't changed. Most people, if you ask them, hey, can I pray for you about something? They'll tell you, yeah. And that's that's everywhere you go now. Most people, I can't. I don't even know if I've had a time where I've gone up to someone and said, "Hey, just something I could pray for you about." Almost everybody says, "Yeah." Well, you know. I think what's one of the things that's really crazy and, and just so cool about what you've done and what the Lord's done through your life is, you know, you did something, you chose to respond to something the Lord put on your heart, you know, back in 1984, and it was something that was, you know, kind of unthinkable to a lot of Christians. Yeah. We, we can look back now and we can see that the Lord used the lead to help pave the way for all kinds of Christian music that we have today. Yeah. You know, I mean, even yeah. bands with huge kind of crossover appeal like Switchfoot or POD that are kind of, you know, big deal stars all over the place. They're, you know, the lead helped to pave the way for them, and so it, it all makes sense yes. looking back, but it, it, I'm sure it had to seem like a crazy idea uh, today. My question for you is, as someone who's lived through that, what would you say to young people who are considering some impossible ideas of their own today? What, what would be the advice or the perspective that you would give to them? Well, I really think God's the author of impossible ideas, and... 
he's made all of us so unique and different, and each person has a very unique purpose, a very unique part of, of spreading the gospel, of being who Jesus has called them to be. And I really feel strongly, especially even more now, that you know, the Lord wants us to be out there in the marketplace doing whatever He's called us to do and representing Him. And there's some, there's some areas that really even haven't been touched by anybody that's representing Jesus. And those are those ideas when you come up with them that I feel they come from God. And He's saying, go for it. Shine for me. You know, represent me. Maybe there's nobody in that, in that area doing it, which kind of was like that with the lead back then. Um, and he wants us to take a risk. He wants us to go for it. He wants us to follow really after him. And they, I believe when you take something on your heart like that, he's just, he gives you the, the ways and the means to do it. And he wants you to go for it. When he shows you something, that you, other, even somebody else might go, well, that's crazy. People thought it was crazy that I was in the lead. But I knew that God had called me to it. So he, if you go for it, it's what he's showing you to do. He will, he will open up the doors and open up the ways for you to do it. So I would challenge everybody who's listening to this, go for that thing that the Lord is showing you to do. I love that. I love that. Well, here's a question for you off of that. You know, we, we played a song just a minute ago from you guys' very first EP. It's a self-titled EP. The song is called It's Through You. Here's um, one of the first lines in the song. You sing, I've always been a reckless dreamer. I never knew where I was going to, but now I know you. And my question for you, and, and I, I bet I know your answer, but I'd, I'd love for our listeners to hear your answer is, is it okay to love Jesus and be a reckless dreamer? Uh, yeah, it is. <laughs> Those dreams, the part of being a reckless dreamer, I believe, is that somehow you're always dreaming, you're always coming up with ideas and things, and that's how the Lord has created each person. So, I think a reckless, maybe that word I would want to turn it into is I want to be a dreamer. I want to be a reckless dreamer, but I want to make sure it's from you. And I mm-hmm. want to make sure it's going after you and it represents you. If not, then it's not something that I think is going to be a great thing, you know? Right. Here's one final question for you is I think one of the things for for young people today, one of the things they get told a lot is, you know, don't be a dreamer, you know, play it safe, don't take chances. And and that way everything will work out. You know, if you, you know, kind of if you follow all the rules, do everything exactly right, you know, you can, you know, you'll you'll be able to, you know, to get married and have a family and have the kind of life that you want down the road. Um you were a reckless dreamer. You are a reckless dreamer. You've, you know, you've, you've taken all kinds of chances. You also today, you, you have a beautiful family. You have a really cool life. Um, you, you took the, the road less traveled and it, it let God took you on it to really amazing places. Um, yeah. To, to, to people who are listening and particularly for young ladies that are listening that, you know, you know, yeah, they'd, they'd like to, you know, to someday get married and have a family, but they also, they'd like to go off and, and have some adventures and, and, you know, uh, try things in, in life. What, what advice would you have to them? Is it okay to go and have adventures? Well, seek ye first the kingdom of God and everything will get added unto you. And I've, 
always just sought after the kingdom first. And I believe because I've done that, I have been blessed with this amazing family. I'm still on this road less traveled right now with some new things and some different things. And I don't believe that ever ends. But there's also different times and seasons for things that the Lord has. But the life that we have with Jesus is so exciting. It's incredibly exciting. And he has exciting and wonderful things for us to do. So I would say to each person, just get on your face, get on your knees, ask the Lord, what what is it that's in my heart, how you made me unique that I want to go after? Is that from you? I, I know that the Lord will show each person if that thing is. And it's a wild adventure with him. It never and it never ceases and it never ends. It's amazing. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Nina, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks so much for bringing a good word for, for the young people that listen to our show. I really appreciate you being here with us. Thank you so much for asking me. It was great. Absolutely. Our thanks to Jed for doing that interview, and especially to Nina for sitting down and chatting with us. Such a cool story about a very interesting life and journey with the Lord. So we're going to get you a little Lee on this episode. Uh, I was listening to Nina's story about someone who, you know, if you looked at her life now, you wouldn't see the journey of someone who was a punk rock singer and played CBGBs and all that stuff. And that reminded me of Lee, actually. You see, if you looked at Lee's life now, and he's a pastor and he's a music leader and he's someone who writes Christian songs that people sing at Young Life camps and stuff, you may assume that you know exactly how that journey came to that point, that it was always going to happen that way. But the real story of how Lee discovered that he could use his musical gifts for what he does now is actually way more interesting. So here's Lee to tell you about that. When I was 15, I started playing guitar because of girls. By the way, that's the reason every guy starts playing guitar, whatever else he may try to tell you. See, for the male teenage mind, all of life revolves around this question of what it would take to get girls to like them. And playing the guitar is basically just our best guess so far. So I got a bass guitar for Christmas and immediately started a heavy metal band with a couple of my friends. And we spent most of freshman and sophomore year butchering Nirvana and Deftones covers in my garage, while Mr. Fredericks, a few houses down the road, continually called the cops on us to report noise violations. It was a fun time, but all those cover songs were almost immediately boring to me. You see, as soon as I learned how to play songs, I realized this intense desire in me to try and write my own song. And playing music was cool but making my own music became the coolest thing ever. And in no time, it was the only thing I wanted to do in the world. It turns out that I had always been this way. I loved to make things. I always loved art, painting, and drawing, but I didn't want to copy someone else's work. I wanted to make something new that had never existed in the world before. 
It was great to read comic books, but it was thrilling to grab a blank sheet of paper and make my own superhero character from scratch that no one had ever thought of before. For me, it was all about making something new, creating something that didn't exist before I made it, and then sharing that something with someone else. So, when music became my thing, original music was right on the heels. Throughout high school and college, I was in six or seven different bands that played house shows, coffee shops, frat parties, and dive bars in the middle of nowhere. We did a little touring and even released several albums. And don't get me wrong, almost every song that I wrote was terrible, but we were just learning and we were having a blast. The funny thing was how far removed all of this exciting self-discovery was from my relationship with God. I grew up in the church, singing the same old hymns out of the same old hymnal every Sunday and Wednesday of my life. I was in youth choir and even had a part in the stage musical at my church, but none of that music moved me in any way. It wasn't the same thing as music to me. I don't know if that makes any sense, but it's the way I saw it. Once I started growing out my hair and playing music so loud that I was literally breaking the law, a lot of folks in my church rolled their eyes. What a shame, they thought. I remember that kid being a good little singer in the youth choir. What, what happened? See, the old folks in my church saw my creative musical phase in exactly the same way I saw it. In other words, it was a departure from my Christian life, and the two were mutually exclusive. All of those loud and sometimes disturbing albums I was listening to were fresh to me. They were new. They spoke to me and even made me feel like I had something to say as well, while the church music was already all written. And that's why we called it traditional and referred to the old hymns. Music about God was a closed canon, and no one was accepting submissions. Now, don't get me wrong. I was aware that there were Christian bands writing Christian music, but I hated all that stuff on stylistic grounds, and no one at my church really valued any of it anyway. Well, right before my senior year in high school, I started going to a new church where the pastor actually wanted to hang out with me and help me sort out my questions and problems. The worship leader there heard that I played guitar and even invited me to hang out with him and talk music over cheeseburgers. He would even bring a segment of a song he was writing to me and ask me to help him finish writing it. I couldn't believe it. I was writing music about God. I had never had relationships like these in church before. A few years later, when this worship leader finished his Ph.D. studies and took a job up north, the elders of the church asked me to become the worship leader. And I'll never forget my first week leading music. See, Tom, our pastor, called me and told me what his sermon was going to be about, and he asked me if we could close the service by singing a song about that message so people had a chance to respond in kind and get the theme in their head and heart. I told him that sounded cool, but that we didn't have a song about his subject. And then Tom said, okay, well, why don't you write one then? I never knew that God could take my deepest interest that never seemed to fit in the church and use it to serve and help others. But that's what I've been doing with my life for the past 17 years. 
I get to make new things that help God's people worship him. I make stuff to keep folks encouraged. I make songs, podcasts, Bible study guides, and all kinds of other stuff to help folks get engaged and stay strong in their walk with the Lord. Not too long ago, a couple came by our house to ask for some prayer. This couple was really discouraged. Christy and I listened to them and prayed for them. After they left, I just couldn't get their story out of my head. I wrote down all of the lies of the enemy that were keeping these guys trapped in discouragement. And then I wrote down all the true things from Scripture that would tear down those lies. It looked like a page of notes I might use to preach a sermon. But instead of preaching that sermon, I connected some dots, rhymed a couple of the lines, grabbed my guitar, and then turned the whole thing into a song. It's now a song that the Lord uses to encourage people all over the place. You see, whatever you have inside you, God can and will use. He made you the person you are on purpose. He gave you the gifts and talents and desires you have intentionally. And even if it seems like the thing you're into has absolutely nothing to do with God or the Christian life or church or whatever, he can find a way to use it. The real question is, what do you love? What fires up your heart? And are you willing to hand that thing to Jesus and say, use me? If so, I bet that you will find, as I have, and so many others have, that his answer would sound something like, awesome, let's go have some fun. I am a child of the maker of stars Oh, the one who knows everything Handmade my heart and he cherishes, treasures me Gave life and blood Well, he is my friend And I am his beloved Beloved much to Lee for putting that together. It was a fascinating peek behind that curtain, and I hope it was an encouragement to you, as was this entire episode. So next week, we will be back to our regular format, answering your questions. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. As always, you can sign up for Bridgebox and missionusa.com slash bridgebox. We're going to take you out with a song from Nina Yopis. This is a song that Jed wrote based on the works of the American poet and hymnist Annie Johnson Flint. It's called What You Promise Me, and it's actually featured on this week's episode of our Bridge Podcast, where we have this song from Nina, another Annie Johnson Flint hymn that Lee recorded for us, and we have a short introduction to another amazing life and a fascinating story, that being Annie Johnson Flint's. So we're going to take you out with that song. We hope you enjoy it. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. I forgot to have Glenn record a funny tag for this, so there's not one. You never promised roads made wide Or easy travel that needs no guide 
never know Mountains steep and never know Rivers deep, no never know Mountains steep and never know Rivers deep But you promised me strength for the day And light for the way Grace for the trials And undying love Rest for the labor, light for the way Grace for the trials, undying love Rest for the labor, light for the way Grace for the trials, undying love You never promised, I won't know Temptation and great trouble And never know, wait to bear And never know, toil and care No, never know, wait to bear And never know Toil and care But you promised me Strength for the day And light for the way Grace for the trials And undying love Rest for the labor Light for the way Grace for the trials Undying love Rest for the labor Light for the way Grace for the trials Undying love And your unfailing sympathy Until the end you'll be with me Your unfailing sympathy And through you I can do all things Strength for the day And light for the way And grace for the trials And undying love Strength for, for the Light for the way, grace for the trials, undying love.